the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No comment. That's all the media could get out of the big guy yesterday when he was leaving the beach. Uh, Somebody in the media scrum yelled out a question, wanted to know if Joe had anything to say about the devastation and the rising death toll from that fire out in Maui. Joe said no, then he smiled and said no comment. That was it. He got in the car and left. He's actually taking a lot of criticism for it, and not just from conservative media. It's one of the worst fires in American history. There's speculation now that the death roll could get up to about 1,000 or more, and the town of Lahaina, Lahaina doesn't exist anymore. Joe had been doing what he does almost every weekend, sunbathing on the beach near his house down there. Not a good look. Uh, Maybe hopping on Air Force One and flying over there would have been a good idea, or at least fake it and go to the White House and pretend you're monitoring the situation. Could have done something like that. Remember after uh, Hurricane Katrina when George W. Bush was destroyed by the media for not appearing to care enough for the people of New Orleans? There were supposedly credible people out there accusing him of being okay with purposely blowing up the levees to make sure that mostly black neighborhoods were flooded. Remember that? He at least did a flyover down there to show that he cared enough to get a first-hand look. And then he was criticized, of course, for not landing, even though landing would have just added to the chaos on the ground. But he wasn't sunbathing at the beach. He didn't say no comment when he was asked about it. Let's see how much criticism Joe gets uh, actually gets from his uh, his friends at CNN and MSNBC in primetime tonight. Actually, I wonder how the big guy has avoided criticism for being such a bad role model for the people of America by spending so much time down there being exposed to the harmful rays of the sun. He's actually out there on the beach, right there on the beach, exposed to the sun. Anyway, when we come back, speaking of harmful rays of the sun and disasters, took about, I don't know, 12 minutes for the usual suspects to blame the fire in Maui on climate change or global warming or both. Who can keep track? I don't know which one it is, but we'll have H. Sterling Burnett of the Heartland Institute here to analyze that and make fun of it, probably. And in our second half hour, can you imagine hearing rumors about the pirates moving out of Pittsburgh unless they get $444 million worth of renovations for PNC Park? That's what they're saying in Milwaukee, where the Brewers Park opened the same year as PNC Park. We're going to talk to a reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel to find out if the Brewers are going to be able to get away with it, maybe talk about whether or not it could happen here. Stick around. Well, the death toll from the uh, fire in Maui could reach 1,000, and if you've seen the pictures, that, uh, that shouldn't surprise you. What also shouldn't surprise you is that the climate change hysterics are all over it and blaming it on man-made global warming. This apparently was caused by a flash drought, which is caused by global warming, which, according to some scientists, of course, is caused by human beings. H. Sterling Burnett 
is Director of Climate and Environmental Policy at Heartland Institute. He joins us now. Sterling, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me again. So how long did it take for you before you heard that this was caused by global warming, after you heard about the fire? Um, I think that I heard about the fire in a message saying that it was caused by global warming. You know, look, climate alarmists are are a lot like uh, people who believe in gun control. They dance on the not even the graves, in this case, the smoldering uh, bodies of those people who have tragically died in this fire. Uh, They claim every, of course, they claim everything is caused by global warming. Right. So naturally, these fires are caused by global warming. But of course, if you look at the myriad underlying factors that have contributed to this fire, you'll see global warming has no role to play. Uh, a modest rise in temperature did not cause a flash drought. In fact, they don't have a flash drought. They have a dry season that happens every year. They had a very rainy spring and fall that built up a lot of grass, non-native invasive grass that the government's allowed to build up there after they abandoned fallow uh, sugarcane and pineapple fields on the sides of a mountain. That is the dry side of the island because of the prevailing winds. In the dry season, you have four to six foot high non-native grasses that dried out, and the government did nothing. They didn't clear the grass. They didn't cut the grass. They haven't replanted native grasses and and trees and plants there uh, that wouldn't be prone to fire. They had been warned by their own state fire departments that this was a hazard, and then Something sparked it. So you have the fuel. You, it takes three things for a fire. Fuel, a spark, and, uh, uh, and, and oxygen. And they have all three. And then, to top it off, a hurricane north of the island sent winds across the mountains and down them at 60 miles per hour. And you get this terrible, terrible event. And so you say, oh, well, yeah, they could have prevented it if they cut the grass. But still, it's climate change. All these people are dead. That's never happened before. Well... Uh, they have a very extensive, very extensive warning system on the island. They didn't even bother to set it off. Yeah, and so the climate alarmists, the hysterics, they're not going to let any of those facts that you just uh, threw out there affect their narrative. It's just not, that's not... All those things combined... Why facts get in the way of a good story? Yeah, all those things combined... May be true, but we still would not be talking about this fire, these fires, uh, if not for too many emissions over the last fifty years. That's that's what caused all this. That's what we're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, if they had if they had cut if, if they had cut out all the fossil fuel emissions there, if they uh, you'd still have the fires. And the point is, they can't point. What they do is they point to what's called attribution studies, where somebody runs a computer model and says, "Could this have happened?" If it weren't for climate change and, and the, you know, since they built yep. in the uh, conclusion before they run the analysis, you know what the outcome's going to be. In the end, there's a variety of factors, a large number of them human caused, just not climate change. I mean, the grass buildup, that's human caused. The, the government allowing that, the government not uh, listening to their fire professionals 
saying, look, we've had wildfires before. It could be really bad if we had another wildfire right now with this fuel buildup. They did. They ignored it. They have an alarm system that they didn't set off, so people weren't warned in advance. Um, those are all human factors, but not a single one of those human factors have to do with greenhouse gas emissions. But you, you would have to believe that what they're saying then is that if even if they had not changed what was growing on that side of the mountain, on that side yeah. of the island, if they still had the greener stuff there, the the non drying grass, that that this would have happened anyway. Is that that's the only way this makes sense, right? Is that if you, if you don't yeah, accept that as a climate factor. change? Yeah, for them to not blame climate change, you have to not have a hurricane. You need to not have uh, poor fire maintenance. You need to not have the grasslands. Uh, you need to, it, it wouldn't matter with the grasslands. It wouldn't matter if there was a hurricane blowing the winds. It wouldn't matter if this was caused by arson. I don't know that it's caused by arson. I don't think anyone knows yet what, yeah. what sparked the fire. But no other factors. You could have gotten rid of every one of these other factors, and you'd still have, you'd, you'd, to believe that climate change caused it, you'd still have the wildfire. And that's just not true. Well, they are saying you, take, it's, you take away any of those factors, and you don't have. If you take away the grasses and the spark, you don't have the wildfire. You take away the hurricane blowing the winds mm-hmm. at sixty miles per hour and more, you don't have it spread as fast as it did. You get the government involved with their siren system and their, uh, you know, fire uh, prevention and removal and treatment. You don't have the tragedy. The tragedy is due to these factors. Climate change is not a single one of them. Here's what Mary McNamara wrote in the uh, Los Angeles Times. Quote, As terrible as the numbers and images emerging from the fire have been, it would be disingenuous to call it shocking. Climate change-related death tolls and community devastation uh, have become horrifyingly common. I guess I'd have to ask her where there's a single climate change-related death toll. Yeah, well, and, and, I'm, and by that, I mean, show me a trend line in increasing hurricanes. You can't. Well, she's she's blaming show the hurricane me, on, you know, out there that you just described. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Climate change doesn't make a single season. Climate change is a trend. Climate happens over a number of years. Show me the trend. It doesn't exist. That means climate isn't changing the frequency or severity of hurricanes. That's just the we don't find that. We don't find increasing frequency of wildfires or severity and scope of wildfires. In fact, wildfires are on decline globally, even amidst climate change. We don't have increasing drought. We don't you know, the point is, you can go through every kind of extreme weather event. You won't find any trend line that shows over the period of recent modest warming, they are getting worse. And if that's not happening then you can't blame it on climate change. Yeah, and... That doesn't mean they won't. That doesn't mean they won't. They mm-hmm. will, because they've got a story to tell, and for whatever for whatever reason, they think they're getting out of it. But it's not the truth. You know, I don't know who this Mary McNamara is, other than she's she's not a reporter. She's a, uh, I'm assuming she's a columnist, because she's throwing her opinion out there about how we have to change our... Um, our uh, opinions and our and our uh, the way we live in order to prevent global warming, but see, and this is the thing. Uh, we're talking to H. Sterling Burnett. He's director of climate and environmental policy at the Heartland Institute. Um, you know, you hear all the time, and I believe it that so much of this 
hysteria and uh, so many of the demands about changing the way we live in order to save the planet are just based on government uh, bureaucrats and people uh, who love government control wanting to be able to have more control. But I, I just, uh, there have Sterling, there have to be a lot of people out there. I, I'm not, and again, I don't know who Mary McNamara is, but I, I have a feeling that she's not writing this because she wants to control me. She believes this. Oh, I believe there's a lot of people that believe it. They've been, you know, look, brainwashing can be effective. Mm -hmm. When the Associated Press receives millions of dollars from six foundations that have been pushing the climate change narrative for 30 years, specifically to hire reporters to report every day around the world on climate change, you're going to get a lot of people reading about climate change. And a lot of people who don't have the time, you know, I, I, I admit, I... This is my job, so I have time to research their claims, to look at the evidence. Not Most people don't, right? They yeah. get off work, they come home, they, they have their dinner, they grab their beer, they spend time with their kids, whatever. But the, what they're not doing is researching whether what they're hearing on the news is true. And as far as the government, look, all I know is this. When it was global cooling, the answer was bigger government. When oil was running out, it was a bigger government. When... We have to, we're using too much oil. The answer is bigger government. When it's warming, it's bigger government. The answer is always bigger, more intrusive government, no matter what the problem is. And that should tell you something right that right there. If the if the if the answer, no matter what the problem is, is the same, then what's really behind it is the conclusion: bigger government. Yeah, and there are plenty of uh, government people out there right now. Uh, I don't know if, if Joe Biden has uh, has uh, checked in on this yet. He was at the beach, and I, I don't think he knew what day it was yesterday when they asked him for a comment on it. Um, he looked like <laughs> he either didn't know it. This is a little off the subject here, but this is the president of the United States, and somebody yells to him, uh, Mr. President, do you have anything to say about the rising death toll in Maui? And he says, no, smiles and says no comment. And my wife said to me today, well, maybe you didn't hear him. And I said, well, yeah, that's worse. If you're the president of the United States and somebody <laughs> yells something out at you from a crowd, you don't say no comment. He might have yelled out that, that uh, you know, the Russians have uh, invaded Milwaukee. And he says, I have no comment on that. So he – but I'm guaranteeing he's going to come out with something here, right? He's going he's gonna... to – No, he did. He, remember, just last week he was saying he declared – First, he said he had declared a climate emergency. Oh, that's and then right. He backed yeah, up yeah. and said, "No, no, no. Essentially, I declared a climate emergency." And someone said, "Well, are you really going to declare a climate emergency?" And so, some of my colleagues think this week around Wednesday, he's going to do just that. He's going to he's going to declare a national emergency for climate change, and it's going to lead to bigger government and more lockdowns, because that's the ultimate goal. I mean, remember, if your ultimate goal is bigger government. Everything's a problem, and every problem, the solution is bigger government, and that's what they're behind. You know, that's what they're behind. I, it, I'll, I'm with you. I'm fearful that we have a president we do, and not because he's got a D behind his name, but because he seems so incompetent. If I was a world leader, if I was Xi or Putin, I would laugh every time the guy comes on. No, this is who I'm up against. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the stumbling bumbler, hair sniffer in chief. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's scary that that uh, this is who the American people chose, you know. So 
uh, it, 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 it frightens me. You know, this is a guy who, who claims he, he met with all his son's business partners, but he claims he knows nothing about his son's business. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem very informed. No. It's, uh, and that's about a personal matter. And that's about a personal matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how, he's, much, he's either... how much less informed is he about the real science of climate change? He is not. He is informed by whoever's standing next that's to him. Right. Yeah. shoulder at the time whispering in his ear. And that's why he said no, no comment, because he couldn't speak uh, to it because he he hadn't had anybody tell him what he's supposed to say yet. Well, even when he's on stage at these press conferences, he starts to field questions, and then he says things like, oh, I'm told I can't answer questions. Yeah. You're the president of the United States. Someone's <laughs> going to tell you you can't yeah. answer questions? Yeah. Uh, that's a little scary. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you mentioned the Associated Press, uh, as you said, they so they have uh, Anthony Watts of your organization was quoted in a piece I saw today about that, about the Associated yeah. Press, um, and and they have so they have taken lots of money and uh, they figure they got the only way they can justify the money they're bringing in is to have people all over the world scaring us, right? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's amazing. That they they had a they had a big announcement about a year ago maybe a, a little over a year ago had a big announcement saying we're getting this huge grant from these six foundations specifically for one thing climate change not good news not transparency to to carry stories around the world about climate change now if someone pays you to cover climate change you're going to cover climate change. Mm-hmm. And if someone pays you to call it a climate crisis, you're going to call it a climate crisis. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. And, and that's and that's a news that supposed news organization as opposed to an advocacy organization. But on this topic, they have become cheerleaders and advocates. And what are they cheerleading? Bigger government, ending fossil fuel use. And um, I, I don't know if there's going to be, as you mentioned, we don't know if there's if arson is an issue here. But no, uh, we are hearing. That uh, oh, and by the way, um, what's her name? Mary McNamara. She said, uh, "If um, she said if this tropical well, after she talked about what happened in Maui, she she made reference to what was happening uh, out in our west with the fires out west, and she blamed the same thing on that. Uh, so it's everywhere, and it's it doesn't change. It's uh, they're sticking with that narrative. But here's what she said. She says, "If this is the kind of hysteria that you get." If this tropical island paradise where, where so many of us have some of our best memories can burn, how can anywhere be safe? It can't. That's what she, that was the last sentence of her piece in the Los Angeles Times, and I'm guessing 98% of the people who read that out there are nodding their heads in agreement. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's true when you have fuel buildup and, and poor management, you're not safe. If you build, if you move to the nuisance, as they do in the West, where people move higher and higher up in the hills and farther and farther into the forest, and then they don't, because they like trees, they don't trim their trees and keep their brush out, you're, you're at risk because the West is fire prone. However, had she bothered, once again, to look at data and facts, she'd find that right now the United States is having less than a quarter of the area burned than it has historically. One quarter. The fires in California aren't nearly as bad as they were recently or in the ancient past. So had she bothered, she'd find that these fires aren't that unusual in the West this year. Now, another, you know, they could have pointed to Greece, right? Greece had a real problem. 
recently with fires. And almost all of them, they have determined were set by arsonists because they were starting at the same time in various different places. It was some some kind of coordinated arson thing. Well, I don't know how how you prevent wildfires in a dry area with a lot of fuel with arsonists intent on starting fires. <laughs> uh, it's the same old thing. Hey, uh, Sterling, I'm, I'm always uh, glad to have you to lean on for this stuff, and uh, I have a feeling we'll be leaning on you again shortly. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you having me on. Take care, sir. Okay, that's Sage Sterling Burnett of uh, the Heartland Institute. We'll be right back. Well, PNC Park is the nicest ballpark I've ever been in, and I've been in a lot of them. I, and I don't say that just because it's in Pittsburgh. And I haven't, I haven't been in a lot of the new ones, but uh, it's, it, I don't know how a ballpark could be any nicer. And there haven't been any complaints about it looking run down or outdated as far as I know. Well, imagine if the Pirates were demanding something like $300 million from you, the taxpayer, uh, to do a renovation. And that's what's happening in Milwaukee at the Brewers Ballpark, American Family Field opened the same year as PNC Park. Tom Dakin is a business reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He joins us now. Tom, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Are you there? Oh, oh yeah. Hi, hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Tom. Th- thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. You bet. So, uh, how is this going over in Milwaukee that the Brewers want this money? Well, uh, the real question is, how is it going over with the Wisconsin state legislature? Because yeah. that's the that's the body of elected officials. It's before. Yeah. Uh, Governor Tony Evers, who's a Democrat, proposed in his state budget that $290 million be provided to the agency, which is a public agency created by the state, to own American Family Field and lease it to the brewers. And that $290 million would be combined with another $70 million that the agency already has set aside. And then along with interest earned over the course of the next two decades, you'd be spending close to $450 million is the best estimate. That includes you know, an inflation for contingency. Yeah. Uh, now, the reason that money is being proposed is because the brewers have a lease with that public agency. It's called the Southeast Wisconsin Professional Baseball Park District. We call it the Stadium District for short. For short. And that lease requires the, the public agency to be in charge of all major renovations. And even more so, it requires uh, that the ballpark be kept up to the evolving standards of other MLB ballparks. And I'd be willing to bet every publicly owned ballpark in the country there's probably a similar provision Absolutely. in their lease with yep. their local club, right? Yep. yep. So you've got an obligation by the taxpayers to, to make these renovations at least through the end of 2030, which is when the current lease expires. Mm-hmm. So the governor basically proposes, let's spend this money, and in return, the brewers will extend that lease for another 13 years to the end of 2043. Uh, the state estimates over the over that period of time, it'll garner about $400 million in revenue, uh, state tax revenue through the sales tax and income tax. Kind of sounds like it's, it's a wash for the taxpayers. They put up X amount of money to get X amount of money back. Now, the Republicans control our state legislature, both chambers, and they've, they rejected that initial proposal but said they are interested, the leadership is interested in keeping the brewers in Wisconsin. So they've been working on a, on a different plan. We don't know what that is yet. We've, we've heard some reports that it might include extending the brewers' lease out even further, but if that happens, the brewers, of course, are going to demand more money. Uh-huh. 
over that period of time. So we're, we're waiting to see what happens, basically. Ultimately, it's up to the state legislature to either approve or reject this, this proposal, and uh, we might know more this fall. Well, Republicans always lose their minds when it comes to this stuff. Um, I was writing a column for the Daily Caller uh, back a few years ago. Scott Walker, who was the governor and was a, uh, a major candidate for president for a while there, he was more than happy to, if I remember, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Tom, but um, I think he was more than happy to shell out a bunch of money for the Milwaukee Bucks to get a new arena. That, uh, that is correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Pfizer Forum, which is, which is the, the new arena, as you say, for the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. Now, that was built with a combination of state, county, and city money. And one of the holdups is the Republicans who are, uh, again, in control of the state assembly and state senate, they believe that the that the local taxpayers should put something into into the renovations fund for the brewers. And as you can imagine, the mayor of Milwaukee and the county executive for Milwaukee County are opposed to that idea. So that's that's part of what's going on as well. How about the brewers putting in some money? Well, they don't have to. Yeah, and that's, and that's ultimately the, that's the ultimately the leverage that the club has. And, and some people have said to me, "Well, why should we, the taxpayers, do this?" And my glib answer is. Uh, welcome the lease. And you have to at least do it to the end of 2030. Now, if you, if you don't want to do it and you're okay with the brewers possibly leaving, then, then that's a, that's a position that you can take. But I, people just need to be aware it's in the lease. I mean, if yeah, you yeah. want to go back and do a time machine and go back to the mid nineties when that lease was created and undo it, I guess that's one way of getting out of, out from that obligation. Well, you're stuck with it. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and we're talking to Tom Dakin. He's a uh, business reporter from the Milwaukee Journal. Been covering business out there for about thirty years. Um, I, I is because um, Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, is, when it comes to market size, are very much the same. Milwaukee's actually smaller yeah, as yeah. a market. Both stadiums built at the same, built and opened at the same time. And I was just wondering, here in uh, Western Pennsylvania, they had a referendum. Uh, and people were asked if they uh, were in favor of having tax dollars go to the Pirates and the Steelers for two new stadiums on the on the North Shore. And the citizens of western Pennsylvania said no at about the same rate that the people in America voted for Ronald Reagan over Walter Mondale in 1984. May, I think it was actually a bigger percentage than that. It was a landslide win for no. And uh, yeah. and guess what's over there on the North Shore? Two stadiums, and both teams, you know, they made contributions to it, but it's taxpayer-funded. So um, I guess what long way of asking, was there ever, did the, did the taxpayers ever have any input on this when the stadium was built, when the ballpark was built? Oh, gosh, I mean, so going back to the mid-'90s, um, yeah. not, not directly. I mean, their input would have been felt, yeah. obviously, in voting, for or against. No, this was this was a direct referendum. So you shouldn't have anything right, like that. Right. Yeah, no, no. Just uh, I, I will say there was a there was a state senator, his name was uh, George Petak, and he was like the key deciding vote back in nineteen ninety five. He was a Republican state senator from um Racine County and he he changed his position uh, in the middle of the night and voted for it and he subsequently lost lost uh, a recall election that was yeah. brought against him by yeah. a Democrat basically on that one issue. So there can't be ramifications, obviously. Um, and <laughs> trust me, the elected officials are completely aware of that when they're making their decision as to whether to yes or no on this package. 
and I'm sure as you have covered this uh, stuff for years, um, and I've I've spent a lot of time looking into it myself, that there are plenty of economists you can find who will tell you that it's uh, the whole idea that this is great for the economy. Um, many many well respected, uh, credible economists have said that the idea that it's the the that's a huge thing for the economy is a gigantic pile of steaming, hot steaming horse manure. It's just not yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a little more nuance to it than that, but I get your general point. Yeah. Certainly, <laughs> the idea of a sports team being stimulative to a local economy tends to ignore the fact that this is discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. I have to spend. I have to make my mortgage payment every month, or I lose my house. I have to pay my grocery. Yeah, bill, right, right, right. My my food you guys. I don't need to go to a Milwaukee Brewers game, and if the Milwaukee Brewers leave, uh, that money will go to other forms of you know leisure and entertainment spending. So there's that. I will say two things, though. Uh, number one, there is a very quantifiable amount, again, of state sales and income tax that results from having an MLB team in your community, mm-hmm. just like there is for having a, a widget factory in your community. Right. The difference is we don't own, the taxpayers don't own the widget factory and lease it to the widget maker, right? That's, right. that's the key, key difference. The other thing is, in the case of American Family Field, when it was built, it was built with a retractable dome. And so I think maybe one of the first such stadiums in our country. And that really did extend the brewer's sort of uh, geographical footprint. In other words, you now get a lot more people who will come here from Chicago for Cubs games, who will come here from the Twin Cities for Twins games, who will come from out of state, other communities, and will actually spend the night here. Yeah, well, they does provide an economic benefit. Well, they're more willing to spend, to buy tickets in advance, because the game's not going to be rained out or it's not going to be... 38 degrees with snow flurries, you know, in the seventh yeah, inning. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, but you're right. The, the economic benefit of it almost always gets overstated for just about any, I think, professional sports franchise out there. Yeah. So that's what I want to get into also because there's a, uh, because of the comparison between the Pirates and the Brewers um, <laughs> in market size, uh, the Pirates are um, a, actually a bigger TV market, but the Bruins, or, I'm sorry, the Brewers. They draw. They've drawn three million people there, and that is a direct result of the roof. And so, has is is are the Milwaukee Brewers a Wisconsin team? And so they they have a a statewide. Uh, they're the only team in Wisconsin, so they they have a statewide uh, footprint, and they that's what that's what maybe allows them to spend more money on payroll than the Pirates do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to that. Um, I would also say this. I think sometimes the the effects of the small market on the ability of the baseball team to be successful is also way overstated. Exhibit A being the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. Oh, tremendously yeah. large payroll, and they stink this year. Yeah. So, and then you and I can both think of, <laughs> think of a couple of other teams out there that, that would correspond to that. Um you know, Milwaukee's payroll is is relatively low, and they're currently leading the division. Of course, mm-hmm. that could change in a matter of days because it's, yeah. it's a tight race. But I, I I do think that stuff gets gets a little overstated. And um, hey, Kansas City Royals World Series champs, right? Well, here's yeah. You know, I I I'm a I, I covered sports for thirty years, so I I've also done a lot of research into that. And uh, mm-hmm. not to get into a debate about that, but 
the the Kansas City Royals have made the playoffs twice in uh, 48, uh, 38 years, and both times they went to the World Series. But that the other thirty six years they didn't make the playoffs, um, and so every every team can catch lightning in a bottle, and every sure. team can spend sure. a zillion dollars and have everything go down the toilet because injuries or whatever, or just bad decisions, spending the money the wrong way. Here in Pittsburgh, uh, Tom, it's a big argument about the, the Nutting family that owns the team and they're cheap and, um, and, you know, they should spend more money. But, uh, you know, I, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is but I think Milwaukee, uh, the Brewers have in the last few years, or maybe 20 years because of the ballpark, they've been able to draw twice the number of people that the Pirates have. That helps you. Uh, get a little bit uh, better payroll, but it definitely does. Yeah, but also, does. I, this is a, this is something that um, this is something that made me gag a little bit because, as an old sports guy and someone who used to go to games to you know watch the game, um, this is what this is the, the recommended work. I think this is from a story you did in the journal. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure, yeah, it's a story you did back in February this year. But you're you're quoting uh, or you're quoting somebody the, the a group that is talking about what what's going to be what the money would be used for and a lot of it would be for the interior of the ballpark and yes. it says this is a quote uh, that in, this is your story that includes uh, areas geared toward young young adults fans to quote provide a unique space for socializing while the game becomes background entertainment. Rather than their primary reason for being at the ballpark, I'm an old guy. I don't yes, know who, the, who you were quoting there. It was one of the uh, groups that you know ad, that um, advises them on you know how to fix up the ballpark. That just gags me when I read that. That 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 it's a ballpark. Not only going to take the money from the taxpayers, but it's not even going to be for baseball. It's going to be for these kids to go there, and I don't know what they're going to do: play video games while the game's going on out you know, on the field. That's, I think they're I think they're going to enjoy some overpriced cocktails. Yeah, that too. Yeah, when they, when they hear the crowd roar, they're going to turn around and see yeah. a run sailing over the fence. But you know, that's uh, I'm 61 years old myself, so I, I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. I mean, it's it's a different type of fan that's going to lose these days compared to compared to our generation. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when, you know, going back to your comment about the economic benefits, alleged economic benefits of this, so what, the way I always, what I always try and tell people is, look, look at it. Sure. I mean, maybe there's some economic benefits. We talked about the state, you know, income, income and sales tax revenue, but look at it from this standpoint. How badly do you want the brewers to stay? You want them to stay. You really, really like mm-hmm. them. You do not care. Both positions are equally valid. Evaluate it from that standpoint. I, I really think that's the, the best yeah. way to look. But, but here's the thing, though, Tom. We had that here. How much do you want to pay? Yeah, we had that yeah. here, and people were told, "Hey, if you don't vote for this, the Pirates and the Steelers are going to leave." And we had all the hysteria over that. And it yeah. was not just no, overwhelmingly, no. Don't give them any money. And yet they stayed. Yeah, and so here, yeah. Well, they, they what happened was just for a little background for you. There was a, it's called the Rad Board, uh, regional something. I forget what it stands for, but there were seven people on the board that could then figure out a way to get funds somewhere else, and mm-hmm. they voted on it. And they needed to get six out of the seven had to vote yes. They only had five votes, so they got rid of the guy, the sixth guy, and replaced him with someone who would vote yes, and that's how it went through. And so right. that that's right. the kind of corruption you have here. 
and it's everywhere. I don't know about Milwaukee, but there's some of that going on too. It's it's stupid. There has to be a. Uh, I'm guessing here, uh, Tom, some uh, some stupid and or corrupt politis- politics involved here. Mm, I, I I would have to disagree with that locally. I don't I don't know that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, honestly, I think it's more a case of simply state legislators, both Democrats and Republicans, uh-huh. trying to figure out. Is this something that we should be spending money on? Is this what my constituents want? And yeah. is this something that benefits the state as a whole? I mean, what's, what's interesting about this, even though the Republicans have very firm control of both the Assembly and the state Senate, it's pretty apparent by now that they are definitely having to rely on getting Democrats to vote for whatever type of legislation gets crafted here. They, yeah. they, can't, they can't do it alone with their own party majorities, because there are obviously too many Republican uh, assembly assemblymen and, and senators who, who are against it. So it, it's, it's forcing some rare compromise between those two parties in our state legislature, whatever comes out of this. And of course, anything they do has to pass muster with the governor, too, who is also a Democrat. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see what to see what happens. And then this, this latest story that we did that I think precipitated a conversation that I are having that primarily was written by my wonderful colleague, Molly Beck. Uh, about the brewers now making noises about well we might leave. Um, you you said you've covered sports all these years. You yeah. know how often MLB teams move, maybe once every twenty years. Yeah. So is it a credit? They're not going that, anywhere. No. Yeah. Again, that's something the elected officials need to evaluate the credibility or lack thereof of that uh, possibility. Hey Tom, so. I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on uh, and uh, clearing it. that up, and it'll be something for us to watch back here in Pittsburgh. Thank you. That's Tom Dakin. He is a business reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We'll be right back. Okay, so um, a little prediction for you. The Milwaukee Brewers, uh, just based on our last little interview there, will get exactly what they want. They'll get every dollar they're asking for or demanding, however you want to put it. Here's something that, that people uh, sometimes forget, uh, that when it they almost always forget, actually, especially the politicians. Either they forget or they lie about it and act like they aren't aware of it. But the Steelers' ratings uh, in Pittsburgh are they, – they get a 40, okay, when they're on, somewhere around a 40. They were A couple of years ago, they were fifth in the league behind uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, Green Bay Packers. But they get like a 40, which means that 40 percent – of the televisions in use at that time, say on a Sunday afternoon in November at 2 o'clock, 40% of the televisions in use are watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, That's a gigantic, gigantic number if you are trying to sell TV advertising. It's, uh, it's, it's the highest rated local uh, show or, or pr- production of anything you can even imagine. But here's the, here's the problem with that when it comes to stadiums. If you get a 40, do you know what that means? 60% of the people aren't watching the game. Half of the people in the city in western Pennsylvania don't care about the Steelers. They don't care if they win. They don't care if they lose. They don't care who the quarterback is. And they don't want to be forced to pay for a place for the Steelers or the Pirates or the Penguins or anybody else to play their games. They don't care. They're allowed to not care about the Steelers. They're allowed to hate the Steelers and not want their money stolen from them to pay for a team that's worth one point something billion dollars to have a place to play. 
that's just something to keep in mind the next time this comes up around here locally, which it's bound to do soon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.